Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield and I am the co-director of charts at Billboard. Joining me as always is Billboard.com senior editor Katie Atkinson. Hi, Keith. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? I am super swell. Okay, great. <laughs> You're like, that's good. Swell is good. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> um, well, uh, it's it's been an exciting couple days in the world of pop. Indeed. Uh, Ariana Grande was on SNL, which we both watched. Yes. We will be talking about that on the show. Of course. We will be talking about all the fun uh, chart stats and news uh, as as we normally do here. As we like to do. As we like to do. As, as we're prone to do on the Pop Shop. <laughs> because the Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the week's big pop news, fun chart stats and stories, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. On this week's show, we'll be talking about how Kendrick Lamar scores his second number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart in less than a year. As his new release, Untitled Unmastered, debuts atop the list. Suddenly, Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem. Casey's back. Uh, country legend Loretta Lynn earns her highest charting album ever on the Billboard 200 with her new Full Circle release. And over on the Billboard Hot 100 songs chart, Mike Posner gets his second top 10 with I Took a Pill in Ibiza or Ibiza. I was going to say, where's Ibiza? Ibiza. <laughs> um, you have to say it correctly. <laughs> Megan Trainer makes a splash uh, straight into the top 20 with her new, sing- her, her, new single, her new single, No. And Zendaya debuts on the Hot 100 with Something New. Something new from Zendaya. Debuts. Something new that samples something old. Hey, what's the sample? <laughs> that might have been my headline. We'll it's a TLC. Oh, wait, sorry. I, I thought you were actually Spoiler asking alert. me. Um, plus, but what TLC song is it? <laughs> what's, stay tuned to find out. Um, plus, we'll be discussing Ariana Grande's star turn on Saturday Night Live this past weekend and how she's certain to make a big debut on next week's Hot 100 with her new single, Dangerous Woman. In addition to all of that chart chat, we've got an interview with Alex Newell, the singer-actor who you might be familiar with from his role on Glee as the character Unique, recently released his debut EP, Power, and is currently on tour with Adam Lambert. I personally love his EP, and Alex's voice is super awesome, so stay tuned for our interview later on in the show. Before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss a single episode, and give us a rating or review while you're at it. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield or KT Atkinson. 
And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> First up, uh, Kendrick Lamar's new Untitled Unmastered Project debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 Albums Chart. It's his second number one in less than a year's time. Um, this album was surprise. It was a surprise surprise, surprise release. Yeah. Um, have you had a chance to actually listen to the album? I know you're a Kendrick uh, fan. I have. I've only listened through it once, though, so I'm not like an authority on it. But um, it, it is a very like cool project and very much like a a real follow-up to to Pimp a Butterfly. I think, I mean, he described it as uh, demos and I want to say outtakes. Which is probably why it just feels, yeah, the vibe is is similar. Is it, does it feel like the songs are finished? Yeah. Okay. They don't feel unmastered. They don't feel unmastered. (laughs) They definitely are untitled. All the songs on the album are untitled. Yeah. Um, except they have like a date Numbers next to Numbers. Yeah. yeah. It's like Untitled 1, Track 1. I don't know how people are discussing like their favorites on this. Like, they're... I really love Track 4. <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, that's all you could say. Yeah. A number of the songs actually debut on the Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs Chart this week. Um, so we have a bunch of songs called Untitled on our charts <laughs> this week. Um, uh, that said, Untitled Unmastered earned 178,000 equivalent album units in the week ending March 10th, according to Nielsen Music. Of that sum, 142,000 were in pure album sales. Now, the album was exclusively available as a digital download and as a streaming album in its first week. Um, It was released on CD last Friday, I think only in its explicit edition, and then a edited version, I think, comes out this Friday. It's a staggered release. That's usually the case with these surprise albums. You don't Mm -hmm. have enough time to manufacture product. (laughs) <laughs> it's a surprise to everybody, including Usu- the manufacturer. Usually the label. <laughs> um, so um, uh, his last album, To Pimp a Butterfly, came out on March 16th, 2015. Uh, this new album came out on, I believe, March 4th, so less than a year. And To Pimp a Butterfly, which won a slew of Grammy Awards recently, yeah. um, debuted with 363,000 equivalent album units in its first week of which 324,000 were in pure album sales. Now, before you make that judgment of, oh, wow, the new album did a lot less than that last album. Yeah, but the new album is sort of being described as not sort of a proper studio album. It is a collection of sort of odds and sods and things that were leftovers and outtakes. The internet says that LeBron James made this album happen because he (laughs) tweeted at Kendrick like, when are we going to hear those songs we didn't know that you performed on the Grammys? And then, like, less than a week later, he's like, here. Here. <laughs> here, LeBron James. Here. So. <laughs> and LeBron's like, okay, do I get a cut? Yeah, exactly. As if you need it. <laughs> Did I A&R this record? <laughs> um, outside the top ten this week, believe it or not, country legend Loretta Lynn gets her highest charting album ever on the Billboard 200 as her new album, Full Circle, debuts at number 19. It's hard to believe that she's never had a top 20 album until I feel this like week. it's a surprise on two levels. One level is that she didn't have a higher one at like the height of her career. Yeah. And two is that Van Leer Rose was such a buzzy project that was produced by Jack White back in 2004. Yes, which that's a great album, by yes. the way. And I love that Portland, Oregon song. Oh my um, God, it's such Slow a good Jin album. Fizz, and it's so good. And you should go right now, go find the Portland, Oregon song, watch the video. It's great. But maybe the amazingness of Van Leer Rose led up and built up to this moment of her debuting even higher only 12 years later 12 years later (laughs) um well you know 2004 was a very different time for album sales so that album actually sold better in its first week Uh and this one did but it's just it's more challenging to get um it used to be a lot more difficult to get onto the 
higher up on the chart mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Now it's a little bit easier, even if you sell a little bit less. Yeah, yeah. Um, the new album earned 21,000 in equivalent album units in its debut week, with nearly all of that from traditional pure album sales. On the top album sales chart, uh, by the way, which just ranks the top selling albums of the week, just based on regular album sales, Full Circle debuts um, actually in the top 10. So there's a you see the distinct difference between number 19 on the Billboard 200, which combines streams and tracks and album sales, whereas just in terms of plain old album sales, it was actually in the top 10. Yeah. Amazingly, Loretta Lynn, who has tallied 11 number ones on the top country albums chart, never reached the top 20 on the all-genre Billboard 200 chart until this week. The highest she had ever gone before was number 24 with Van Leer Rose, the album that she released in 2004. And I think... The, the the reasoning behind why her albums didn't go higher, like back in the 70s when mm-hmm. she was kind of at the height of her career, um, a lot of genre albums, meaning like country, R&B um, uh, records, had a hard time going up really high on the Billboard 200 chart. Right. Um, <clears throat> and that all radically changed once Nielsen uh, started. Nielsen Soundscan started tracking sales in 1991. There were... We, we suddenly had a lot more authoritative charts. And overnight, you saw rap and country albums fly up the Billboard Interesting. chart. So it was just these titles. Everyone knew these titles were selling well. But the reports that we were getting from retailers back in you know the 60s, 70s, and 80s didn't completely accurately reflect, reflect what was actually happening. And so once we got, you know, full-on computerized sales happening, mm-hmm. things change. And so that's why you see a very distinct difference between kind of when you look at heritage country artists like, you know, George Strait, Reba McIntyre, Dolly Parton. Suddenly, it was like night and day with their performances on the charts after 1991. Yeah. Um, one more note about the Billboard 200 chart. Last week's number one album, the 1975's I Like It When You Sleep For You Are So Beautiful Yet So Unaware Of It falls from number one to number 26, uh, which is the second largest drop from number one ever on the Billboard 200 chart. So So many (laughs) distinctions for this album. Yeah. Which also had the longest album title for a number one album on the Billboard 200. uh, Katie reminded me the other day that we, we, we kind of mentioned that on the show last week, and that was before we were actually able to research it. Um, and so as Katie pointed out, uh, we determined that it actually has the longest album title in terms of the number of characters in its title mm-hmm. um, ever at number one with 71 characters. Yeah. Um, and it's like number one by a long shot. The next one's like 58 or something. Yeah, it's, um, uh, we have it written down here somewhere. It's a tie for second place. A tie for second place uh, with, uh, is 59 characters, I believe. 59. 59 between LL Cool J's Goat album, the greatest of all time, and P. Diddy, Bad Boy, Present, We Invented the Remix. Volumes 1 right. through 22. Right. That's not the actual title. Um, the 1975's album, actually, uh, it, it earned 17,000 equivalent album units in its second week, um, a decline of 84% compared to its arrival of 108,000 units. So obviously that's a huge reason why it suddenly took a dive on the chart. Um, only one other album, Incubus's Light Grenades, fell harder from number one when it dropped from number one to number 36 back in 2006. Uh, one note on this, there is a historical uh, distinction, footnote, asterisk that we have to mention. Elvis Presley's Elvis's Christmas album actually fell from number one to completely off the chart in 1958. But back then, the chart was only 25 positions deep, not 
200 positions deep, so it would have been much easier for an album to just fall off the chart entirely, especially an album that would have only been popular right around Christmas time, right. like a Christmas album. Uh, what uh, what was it called back then, the album's chart? Oh, it wasn't called the Billboard 200. It wasn't, it wasn't called the Billboard 200 until... Oof, decades later okay um i don't actually remember the name okay uh the the name of the chart changed frequently in the early days like in the 50s and 60s it was like top lps top lps inside sure uh top mono action stereo action like like, it sounds like a disease i know (laughs) top mono Like great, um, it's funny if you have, if if you ever want to do a deep dive, if you look at the names of our our charts way back in the day, it's interesting. You know, our R and B hip hop chart used to be called uh, you know Hot Black Singles. Um, you know, uh, uh, our country chart used to be, you know Country and Western. Yep. Um, you know, uh, lots of lots of different names. It is it, yes, especially if you go way back in the day. I like when you see that like the Beatles charted on the Hot R and B and Hip Hop playlist or chart because that's what it's called now but back in the day it was called r&b or oh something yeah like like, that. like george michael and daryl hall and john oates you know uh two two uh white acts uh caucasian blue-eyed soul blue-eyed soul as some could say <laughs> um hit number one on the hot black singles charts yeah. <laughs> back in the 80s which is kind of funny incredible um on the billboard hot 100 chart this week uh, as rihanna's work holds at number one for a fourth week the top 10 welcomes a new arrival, Mike Posner, as his I Took a Pill in Ibiza uh, climbs 14 to 10 with gains in airplay, sales, and streams. Do you like this track, Katie? Um, I have to say, when when it did well last week, I looked it up for the very first time. <laughs> and I'm a pop radio listener, so it's getting airplay, obviously, but... Not when I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, I, this is one of those songs that was like a big hit in Europe and then kind oh, really? of like blew up in like the past like two months. Basically, Obviously, like, yeah, it's it's huge. It's one of those songs that sometimes like you'll read about a song and then you'll hear it all the time. Like yeah. sometimes you just have to catch up. Um, Posner has actually visited the top 10 once before as an artist back in 2010 with the number six peaking Cooler Than Me. I did love that song. Um, he's also charted a pair of top 10 singles as a songwriter, but for other artists. He co-wrote Justin Bieber's Boyfriend and Maroon 5 Sugar, both of which peaked at number two. So he's so, doing pretty well for himself. Yeah, he's probably sitting on a <laughs> pile of money somewhere. Um, just outside the top 10, Megan Trainers No debuts at number 11. So close. So close. It's her highest debut yet and also launches at number two on the digital songs chart with 113,000 downloads sold. Number 21 on the radio songs chart with 46 million in audience. Here's a fun fact that Gary Trust dug up in New York. Gary manages the Hot 100 um, and he's also a co-director of charts just like me. He says that the number one, the number, the number one bow, the number 21 bow on the radio songs chart is the highest debut in more than five years on that chart since Lady Gaga's Born This Way debuted at number six. And only one other song in the past 10 years has launched at number 21 or higher on the radio songs chart. Beyonce's Deja Vu featuring Jay-Z, which debuted at number 15 in 2006. So we see number one debuts all the time on the Hot 100, so why is the radio songs chart so hard to get high up on? I, you know, I think it, the, this particular radio songs chart is is an all-genre chart, so it's like more than a, a, like a thousand radio stations. Right. And it's not just top 40, but it's top 40, AC, country, Latin, R&B. It's all of... Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's... You're competing against all the formats. So you really have to have a song that is just 
played by everyone right. to get high up on this chart. So, one, you have that working against you. Two, it's also the general vibe of radio is kind of slow to just suddenly play something yeah. 80 times a week right. in like massive heavy rotation. Right. Um, even if it is a huge artist, it still takes a little bit of time for something to become instantly a huge hit. Even though, unlike on iTunes or on streams where suddenly something is top five or top ten, radio is a little bit slower. Yeah. They just always are. Um, so that's why when you see a song like this debut so high, it usually means that they're a consensus artist that is releasing something that is very appealing to a lot of formats of radio. And this is an instantly appealing song, too. Like, the I, first time I listened to it, I was on board. Like, like, I loved it. I think we both agree when the first time we heard it, I think we both were hearing, like, echoes of, like, 90s classic pop. For me, well, it actually, was, like, 2000s early pop. 2000s yeah. R&B pop. Like, very pink, like, original pink very, with actual pink hair. <laughs> very, very the OG pink. OG pink. Very, when very, she there came you out go, and she was, yes, and she was like super like urban pink haired girl. Like this is exactly what that sounded like to me. And I also brought up, now I'm going to forget her name. I brought oh, up. Oh, you brought um, up Blue Cantrell? I no. did bring up Blue Cantrell, but I also brought up Samantha Mumba. I was like, Nivea? <laughs> Samantha Mumba had one song back in the day, and to me, like the minute I heard "No," for some reason, I thought of it, and I, I, yeah. I, I hear Destiny's Child. I hear yeah. Sync. I hear you know all those like sort of like sassy like it's not right, but it's okay. Yes, like that entire the that sass, Rodney Jerkins kind of pink the sass vibe. factor is off the charts. It is a sassy song. The sass factor. Yes. This week on Sass Factor. <laughs> um. Uh, last tidbit about the Hot 100 this week. Uh, singer-actress Zendaya is back on the Billboard Hot 100 thanks to her new single, Something New, which, as Katie pointed out, samples something old. Uh, <laughs> the song actually features Chris Brown, and it debuts at number 96. It's actually her third entry on the chart, but her first since replay peaked at number 40 back in January of 2014. The new song samples what song, Katie? It samples "Creep" by TLC. Oh, hey! <laughs> um, it's a and it's a really like it's not a buried sample. No. It's like the whole song is built around yes. "Creep." Um, That's and, worked really well for people in the last like few years, especially. I feel like it, so many evocative songs. It's hard to. I mean, you know, we we think of that song as being because of our age. Mm. We think of that song as like being very not that far away, right? Um, but the song is actually more than 21 years old because this week, 21 years ago, it was actually still in the top 10 on the Hot 100 yeah. and it just wrapped a number one run. So and for- Zendaya wasn't alive yet. <laughs> How old is Zendaya? She's like under 20 or she's 20 maybe exactly. Really? Yeah, she's really she young. She seems so much she's older. She's so like self-possessed. Like she's like, yeah, I, yes. I've I've had the pleasure of speaking with her a couple times on red carpets and she has been nothing but elegance and poise uh-huh. and just and she's so lovely to talk to and she's so nice and give us a rings and die if you'd like to be on the pop yeah. shop um we would she, love like would this love has to been a you. long time coming like i think this is gonna be like a real deal like she's having a moment hit. now she finally wrote, with yes. music i think yeah because i always think that she's been like the personality first like the person that people knew her name knew her from her disney show and knew her you know was it disney or nick now that i said that out loud it was disney it was the one with a bella thorne shake it off that she came from but yeah anyway yeah like but she now is gonna have this like hit song yeah. on top of it 
Um, speaking of the Hot 100, who might debut on next week's Billboard Hot 100 chart? I think it's safe to say that Ariana Grande's Dangerous Woman is probably going to make a handsome bow on the chart as her new single came out last Friday and then she performed it the very next day on Saturday Night Live. Katie, what did you think of the song and her performance on SNL? Um, The song, I think, is very sultry and very... I, I like that she kind of stepped away. It's, it doesn't sound like anything that she's done before. Um, and it also doesn't sound like things that are on the radio right now. So hopefully there's like a spot for it. It has that. I'm trying to. I don't know what to call it, but it has that. That dragging beat. Yeah. It's like it. I'm not. I don't think that's a waltz time, but it has that kind of like winding around winding mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like that girl i've got a girl i was thinking actually it to- totally reminds me like, of that it just keeps this looping thing which where that just, did pretty well yeah and, and <laughs> i don't know if i I mean maybe it is considered a a, a a waltz time some whoever's listening tell us what the scientific reasoning is behind why this song sticks in your head the way it does <laughs> Like no, I mean you're right though. It is a three. It's a three four time signature. So yes, see, Katie always hides the fact that she has this (laughs) incredible musical history background, and she's also a trained vocalist. She doesn't want to ever share this, and she just looks at me like I'm crazy. She's like, Keith, let me just tell you what it is. I'm like, honey, you could have stepped in a few minutes earlier. But not all three four time signatures are waltzes. But it is a three. It is it is the same. Like it's one two three one two three one two. And that's what Ariana is doing here. Totally. Wow. Well, it's working. <laughs> I like the song. I like it too, and I just, I just want it to be like, I want to hear it on the radio a lot. Like, I think it should be a radio song. But the other song that she performed on SNL, which is also brand new, which we both collectively <laughs> loved, super nineties, super nineties. Uh, she vogued. She vogued. It was called "Be All Right." Is the the name of the, the second song, and she vogued, and she had a cavalcade of dancers that were voguing, and, it, she, and she vogued, yeah, full on. Like, full-on, clearly a tribute to Madonna's voguing action. Um, if you watch the, if the Blonde Ambition Tour, they're all in black yep. on stage. And when Ariana performed, she was all in black with all of her dancers in black. It's also a little Bob Fosse, too. Like, the yeah. whole thing. like Which is probably what that all birthed from in the beginning. She probably <laughs> learned that a bit from watching Madonna, who ate <laughs> <Yes>. Bob Fosse <laughs> in the Blonde Ambition Tour. It's so good. It I was mean, so good. Ariana is a big, huge uh, Madonna fan. And she actually was dragged up on stage at, I think, Madonna's Miami show. Yeah. Um, a couple, well, like a couple of months ago. Um, but yeah, Be All Right is great. Um, and Ariana was just hilarious on SNL. She was. The the title skit. We, like, Keith and I are personal fans of the Celine Dion impression that she did Oh my originally. god, we did it so many times last week in the office. <laughs> she, did, she did it originally Shall on Fallon. Um, she did it a couple times on Fallon, actually. Yeah, like, she did it twice. Yeah. She, she, on two different appearances, she came by on Fallon and she just did a Celine impersonation. And then the second time she came back, they did a wheel of impersonations and she did it again. <laughs> Ugh, so good. Um, so, so good. good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and her Sound of Music skit, which we watched together in the office, um, which was ridiculous. It's like and the, the shady sound of music. <laughs> the sound the of shade. Of music. The shade of music. Um, hey, uh, Keith. Yeah. Um, because I never do this. Oh, okay. Uh, 
I have a I have a quiz Keith moment. Oh, you're going off I've, script. That this I've is not on together. our script. This is not on the script. Keith puts the script together, so I couldn't tell him because I didn't want him to prepare at all for this. Oh. So since I always get bombarded with the quiz Katie's, I figured I needed to come with a quiz Keith. Uh-oh. So Ariana Grande pulled double duty this weekend as musical guest and host of Saturday Night Live. Not something that happens frequently. Um, actually, there have been twenty five and a half people who have done it. Am I supposed to guess the 25? <laughs> Obviously, you're not going to guess all 25, but I wondered if maybe you could get, like, five of them. Um, I don't think Madonna actually has. She hasn't. Yeah, I was going to say she hasn't. Um, uh, boy, oh boy. <laughs> this is um, um, Brittany? This, Brittany? Yes, Brittany. She's actually ooh, done it ooh, twice. Ooh. Okay, Brittany. Uh, Brittany did it in 2000 and 2002. Justin Timberlake. Yes, he's done it three times. That's easy. The most. 2003, 2006, 2009. So are those three and twos counting against the 25? No, the oh. 25 is people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, um, so you have to think of people who are actually adept at acting, but also... There's some surprising ones on here, but singers. there's also some ones that you should be able to get. Um, <laughs> someone's... Uh, Christina Aguilera. She hasn't. Weird. She was a musical guest once and did an amazing impression oh, of Samantha, Samantha from Sex and the City. <laughs> I'm a dude. Yeah. <laughs> she should host, honestly. She was so good. Um, any country artists? Yes. Um, like a Blake a Shelton? Blake Shelton. Ooh, that's a good one. 2015. Um, 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 oh, my God. You got three. I, just, I, I need to get two more. I wanted you to get two more. <laughs> Rihanna? No. She hasn't yet. No. But she um, has been in some skits. Um, Mick Jagger? Yeah. He did it in 2012. Um, You're so close. <laughs> Give me a hint. Um, okay, uh, there's some really recent, super recent ones you're missing. Um, uh, one is Justin a Justin Bieber. Yes, Justin Bieber did it. He did it in 2013. All right, you got five. That was the, the test. What was like the most you surprising passed. one on your list? The most surprising to me, um, there's a lot that were surprising to me. Um, Frank Zappa did it in 1978. Okay, that's weird. Which I thought was super weird. Um... Uh, well, who I was going to give you hints for were Drake, Drake oh. in 2014, Lady Gaga in 2013. Oh yeah, when she did um the the skit with the Lonely Island, uh-huh. the, the three way song, uh huh, <laughs> and Miley Cyrus did it twice, oh. 2013 and 2015. So Queen Latifah did it in 20 in 2004. She it was when she put out that jazz album and she performed her like jazz songs. How in weird. addition to hosting, so I would I would have immediately said, oh, circa Chicago. And Taylor did it in 2009. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Janet Jackson did it in 2004. Did you know that? Wow. No, I did not. Yeah. I thought that was like really recent for her to have done it. Hmm. And finally, the half out of my 25 and a half. Like half of a group? Well, so Gwyneth hosted with CeeLo was the musical guest, but she performed Forget You. And so she was billed as like part of the musical guest. Oh. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. That was fun. Yay, Quiz Keith. Woo! <laughs> well, um, well, we'll dovetail that straight into our guest interview with Alex Newell. Well, it makes sense going from Gwyneth and Forget You and straight into Alex Newell. Which was in Glee, yeah. yeah. Um, you may know Alex from Glee, where he played Unique Adams, but now he's got his own EP out, and it's called Power. The set debuted in the top five of the Dance Electronic Albums chart the week it was released, and just before it came out, Alex dropped by Billboard's New York office to play some tunes and to chat with us. The Big Voiced Singers EP is so much fun. It's dancey, it's poppy, it's R&B-y. Um, it's very worth checking out. Um, also, he's on tour with Adam Lambert right now, his former Glee castmates. So when you hear him talking about how they were kikiing on the set, 
like basically I guess they just hung out in the dressing room and they became friends that's and awesome. so that's probably the the start of how they got to go on tour together um so anyways here's our interview with Alex Newell no doubt you wrote me off long ago but now I won't give up this ain't over, over, over. hello Alex Newell and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop podcast how are you I'm well how are you I am swell. I really wish, full disclosure, um, I'm actually in Los Angeles. Alex is in our New York office, so we are doing this uh, old school, over the phone, kind of. Uh, but it's I, like I love, magic. Yeah. <laughs> I loved Alex's song so much, I really wanted to do this, uh, even in this sort of uh, a restricted technology way. Um, thanks for coming into the office and, and sharing your new EP with us. Uh, the Power EP just came out a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and... You came in and played it for us. You must be super stoked right now. I am. I'm so excited. There's no other words than excited, elated. It's like, I'm so happy I could probably vomit, but I'm not. Yeah, please don't vomit. <laughs> I promise. I love the EP. I've, I heard it earlier today, or I heard it earlier before. Man, it is so much fun, and your voice is just so insane. Like, Were you like 10 years old when you realized... I have the voice that is better than everyone else in this city or what? Like, because seriously, like your voice is so amazing. Did you, were you always like singing when you were a a small child? Like, were you singing in church or anything like that? Uh, Yeah. Um, I grew up in church. I started singing when I was like two. So I think I started singing before I could actually form words, (laughs) but it, I grew up in church and singing there and having to sing every Sunday and throughout the week. Um, I don't know when I noticed that I had like a voice. I still don't think I noticed if I have a V voice like Whitney Houston or like Mariah. Right. But right. Exactly. The voice. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's like I, I just enjoy doing it. And I've been doing it for so long now that I'm just happy that I can do what I love. Um, on the EP, there are five songs, including the first single, This Ain't Over, which Billboard uh, wrote about in its Tomorrow's Hits uh, section uh, about a month or two ago. And such a club banger, so much fun. Um, how did that particular track come together? Was that something that was kind of brought to you already done? Or was that something that, that you kind of you know collaborated with and helped guide along the way? Can you describe how the song came together? Um, I was in London and I was having writer sessions with Emanike and Digital Farm Animals and London Fog and sorry, London Fog. I'm thinking of fashions right now. London Noise <laughs> <laughs> and London Noise. And it was that was my very first one. I literally had just gotten off a of plane to go work with London Noise and took a car all the way to the countryside in the UK it was like an hour drive and I got there like didn't know where I was disoriented and they're like let's have a write a session and I was like all right let's do it and so the song I we listened to a couple tracks and that track just really stood out to me and they started Andrew started writing the lyrics and singing out loud and it just kind organically You know, uh, the the there's the whole vibe on the EP where it all kind of, to me, seems like it's a, it's it's inspired in a way by kind of um, like '90s house soulful um, R&B, but still very contemporary at the same time. 
was was that kind of running through your mind when you were putting the songs together or um is is saying the words 90s house music a bad thing <laughs> no it's not a bad thing um 90s house music is great it was great then it still is great here but i don't really i for me honestly i'm not one that's going to stick to one particular sound i'm not one that's going to just say I want this in this lane the entire time. If I hear a song and I think it's brilliant, I want to sing yeah. it. I want to record it. I want it out there, um, even if it's not in the lane of '90s house dance. I mean, all of the songs are so distinctly different from each other. I feel like they're all just like a sampler plate. The AP itself is just a sampler plate because none of them—they're not really that cohesive, but they still sound great and complement each other. Yeah, and I didn't mean I I certainly didn't mean to to suggest that the whole thing is just like a throwback no, mixtape from 1991. All. I didn't mean it like that. I'm curious like, you know, most people are familiar with you from Glee when you're on Glee and you won the Glee project and then you got cast on the main Glee show. Um what did you get signed while you were on Glee? Is that how it worked or was it like kind of your um pursuits of other singles cuz you've had hits in the UK over the past year like when did you actually get signed? Was that something while you were on TV or was that kind of after the fact? No, it was um, right, oh, right right when I was on, I had just signed my series regular deal for season five of Glee. And while I was doing that, I was literally signing paperwork to sign with Atlantic. And from that came the songs, the singles in the UK came Stronger, came All Cried Out with Blonde and Collect My Love with the Knox. Yeah, the Knox the Knox track was a hit on the Billboard uh, Twitter Emerging Artist chart, and the Blonde track was, I believe, top five or top ten on the official UK singles chart, which has that's crazy. So you've already had all the success rolling into the EP. Uh, you must feel very good about how things are going right now. I am. It's kind of crazy. It's a little it's a low cray, <laughs> but. It's just, it's fun. I think this ain't over is a testament of, you know, people don't think that a lot of us that are coming off the Glee can have a thriving music career, but I just want to, I guess the song really speaks to that it's not over for me. The show may be over, but I'm still thriving and living, and I like that message that comes with it. Yes, God. Um, you're on tour with Adam Lambert right now, which has got to be like um, the, the most heavenly sort of combination of voices, because both of you have such wonderful voices how did the the idea come about did they call you or did someone from your camp reach out to him like how did that how did the whole idea of a tour come about I guess they just asked he asked me to sing how nice he just he just asked because I'm that good (laughs) (laughs) he just asked um he asked me to sing at his Halloween party last year and it was so I was just so honored in general because we had like had Kiki's in the hair and makeup trailer when he was on Glee and we Twitter massaged and we were just like friends, friends, like friends from a distance. But then we became friends when he was on the show. And um, yeah, it, he just asked and I said yes, of course, because he is such an amazing talent and person at the same time that how could you just say no? And it's such such an uh amazing tour to go on after he's coming from his tour out of the country yeah um have have you have you guys talked about maybe potentially trying to to work together in some capacity down the road i don't know not yet but maybe (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I want to hear about the MNNE, sorry, as I say that fast, the MNEK track, basically over you. Boy, that is a sassy track. That is that is so much fun. Thank you. I loved it. I mean, I keep telling this story because he's younger than me and he wrote this amazing song in like 30 minutes. And he literally just walked up to me when I was in his studio and he's like, so um, tell me about yourself. And I was like, I hate boys. And he was like, all right. And writes boy basically over you. And it's just genius that he came up with a acronym and the song. And it was just, it was actually brilliant. I was like, I'm in front of a genius right now. And it's such a fun song and I'm screaming the entire time, but I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I it is. And, and he also is like just such, he's so talented. Um, and he's just, I, I wish I knew how songwriters and producers and singers like you are able to do what you do so well, because I just can't. And so I think I'm, it's just always, it's just always so amazing when I hear like, oh yeah, I just wrote this song in like 20 minutes. I'm like, really? Really? Oh man, I need to really, I need to reevaluate my career choices. Um, I mean, he made me want to reevaluate my career choice when he wrote a full song and he can sing at the same time. So I'm just like, maybe I should just leave. Maybe I should just get back on my flight back to the States, be on my TV show and call it a day. But I'm happy I so didn't do that. Yeah. Um, is the hope uh, to maybe, you know, if the EP goes uh, well and, and, you know, all things continue to go well, is there hope that maybe you'd want to do like, you know, is there going to be like another EP down the road or because, uh, you know, it's all about EPs and singles now. Or is it like, is this sort of perhaps the beginning of what could be a full length album farther down the road? I'm not asking you for a release date. I'm not asking for a title. I'm just wondering, like, down the road, is the hope to do a fuller album or maybe just more EPs? Like, do you have a vision for that? Uh, there's definitely a full album coming. Most definitely. I think that's always been the goal. I think it was right now. We just wanted music to be out there. I, I'm so bummed that I couldn't be there in the office with you because I, I really wanted to to meet you and say hi. But hopefully I can see you when the tour comes to Los Angeles here in a few weeks. Uh, the tour started February 23rd and runs through April 2nd in Los Angeles. It closes at the Orpheum Theater. And um, everyone should definitely check out Alex Newell's Power EP and try to see him on tour if you can. Uh, thank you so much for doing this, Alex. Thank you for having me. And uh, I'll let you go now. (laughs) Thanks again to Alex Newell for stopping by the office. It was so fun to chat with him. And um, through the magic of technology, I talked to him from Los Angeles while he was in New York. So oh, the future is now. The future is now. <laughs> Soon we'll be, ha- we'll be I'll be interacting with like uh, holograms of Katie. It'll be amazing. Does that mean I don't have to come into work anymore? <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll we'll just we'll just work, work from the beach. It'll be great. Um, now it is time for our chart stat of the week. Yeah. This week in 1986, 30 years ago. My gosh, 30 years ago, Starship got their second number one single on the Billboard Hot 100 with the power ballad, Sarah, Sarah. (laughs) The song hit number one on March 15th, 1986. Starship previously hit the top of the chart with, We Built This City. 
And then later with Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. Man, and those were some... we can build this dream together. Standing strong for... So I'm singing no. through my nose right now. <laughs> I love that song. Um, and we've talked about that before. Diane Warren um, co-wrote that or wrote it. Right. And it was, was nominated for the Academy Oscar Award. Nominees, yeah. It's from Mannequin. Yes. Speaking of Kim Cattrall earlier, <laughs> yeah. back oh to Kim God. Cattrall. Look at all of these <laughs> Kim Cattrall should be a guest on the show. She has <laughs> so many songs. I'm so down with that. Please, let's have that happen. <laughs> that would be amazing. Or Christina as Kim Cattrall. <laughs> Ooh, Christina Aguilera as a guest on the show, just doing Kim Samantha Cattrall. Doing time. Samantha. Yeah, yeah. Um, Starship <laughs> was previously known as Jefferson Starship, and then before that, Jefferson Airplane. Basically, they were, you know... Truly no... Uh, they could not be more different from Air- Jefferson Airplane yeah. to Starship. They, they went from... Well, one, not only were they upgrading their transportation in their names, <laughs> but they went from, you know, uh, like, volunteers and White Rabbit. White, was it called White Rabbit? Yeah. In the 60s? To um, super psychedelic, super creepy, super, <laughs> super drug induced, <laughs> super creepy, huh? <laughs> that song scared me as a child. My dad had the record; he'd play it. it was One scary. pill makes you <laughs> something, and another pill makes you oh well. All right. Um, uh, strangely enough, um, their their previous highest charting single before they had their hit, like sort of eighties run, was in nineteen seventy five. As Jefferson Starship, when Miracles reached number three on the chart, those those sort of classic rock tracks that they did back as just uh, Jefferson Airplane um, never went as high as number one. Um, so it's interesting how how the the band kind of morphed over time and was able to have you know really very distinctive careers. Um, and I think it must have been really interesting to be sort of a '60s rock fan in the 80s and see how Jefferson Airplane changed over time. Yeah. And for them, it must have been like really jarring to see Grace Slick, the the lead singer, well, one of the two lead singers of the group, like singing Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now from Mannequin after doing like Volunteers and all these sort of like 60s psych- psychedelic totally. rock. Um, but that's the beauty of music. <laughs> Evolution. Uh, so there you go. There's your chart side of the week. 30 years ago this week, Starship hit number one with Sarah. I think that's about it, Katie. I think that'll do it. It's a pretty packed week. Uh, Lots of chart stuff. Um, uh, The debut of Quiz Keith. I know. I uh, no. I'm I'm a big fan of Trivial Pursuit, and you never know when it's coming back because I'm not going to tell you. Well, that's 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 the beauty of. I, I did. I did. I have a slight panic. Yeah. I was just like. I was like. Um. Um. Uh, I don't. And, and you're like. And there's been 25. I'm like. I'm never going to guess all 25. You're nuts. Um. I think that's it for this week. All right. Uh, do you have any uh, anything I've missed? Anything else you'd like to say? This podcast makes me feel like a dangerous woman. That's all. Makes you feel like a dangerous. Dangerous three four time waltz not really could be a waltz maybe it could be maybe it could be uh, what song should we go on that's not dangerous woman oh one hundred percent nothing's gonna stop us now and we can see you next week even though this is definitely gonna stop us now yeah. the end of the podcast bye everyone bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.